Today's guest, Julius Göllner, founder of Artist, a conference in Berlin with more than 400 B2B founders. It's a lot of effort you need to put in and maybe at some point it's then self-sustaining, but you also need to invest into it, I guess. So how does this work to build an ecosystem of communities? Yeah, um, I mean, I need to say I'm doing this also for the first time, so it's a big learning process for me. Um, so the journey the journey started with i'm helping my portfolio companies and what i'm doing in my own companies is go to market and sales and my initial idea was to build a fresh sales conference because tech sales is way different than sales for volkswagen stuff like this and so this was the initial idea and talked to a couple of people about the idea like i said before doing interviews and hey, is there a pain blah blah, blah. and then there was the feedback like, yeah, sales is a topic, but we also have a problem with fundraising. And we also would like to exchange about marketing and about product. So we said, okay, instead of doing a sales, building a sales conference, and this was the first idea uh, for like all levels of sales, we just said, okay, we are building a SaaS conference with all functions, but only with a very boutique approach so just for high-level decision makers, founders and C-level. And they say, okay, how to build a, like, how to bring these people together in the best way is like, okay, a digital format. And I was like, hmm, digital format, difficult for exchange and a Zoom meeting with people. So there was a decision to do a physical meetup. And I was like, okay, the physical meetup, probably we should build a small conference. And say, okay, let's, let's having the idea. And then I was like, okay, I'm not the guy who's building a conference for myself for 500 people, not the expert, like, not, not the knowledge. By coincidence, my current two co-founders, which are long-term friends, uh, and I was at the first angel in their business in their last company, they were running a Tough Mudder clone called Exletics. So they did events for 15,000 people 20 times a year, uh, like on the biggest scale. So they knew event, were open for something new. I knew SaaS, no idea about event. We, we just met together. I pitched the idea. They said like, okay, let's do this on a, on a half-day basis, a half-week basis. And then we had like a good team for for the pain and for the solution. The solution was a conference. And then we just did outreach. Yeah? So I, I just said, okay, what's the go-to-market? The go-to-market is probably to have an interesting conference and a summit, we need a good program and a good approach in terms of people can connect. If we have a good program and good speakers, people will buy tickets to come. And if we have people and speakers, then sponsors will probably also join because then there is an interesting target group for partners and this is what we did i just like did outreach to 50 60 people julius and i talked about bootstrapping and how to start SaaS businesses scale them and what the difference in bootstrapping versus we see company building is we also talked about community building and many more so if you're into b2b SaaS, it's an episode for you then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and, and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the table. Hiring takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change things. That was the learning. Entrepreneurs with empathy. On the people side. Hey, Julius. Happy that we have the chance now to have a conversation because I, I found your... Um, appearance on LinkedIn and um, through your events, really interesting. Also your podcast, I also even um, listen to it sometimes. And um, now it's great that we have you here on the show. So maybe um, we can start with a bit of context about yourself. 
Happy to do so, uh, Thomas, and thank you very much for the invite. Um, I'm Julius. I'm 39 years old now for a couple of days. Uh, I'm based in Berlin. I have two kids here, and I'm entrepreneur and investor by heart. Um, if you like to, I can give a little bit background of myself during the last year. So, uh, see you, <laughs> see you nodding. I'm, I'm, I'm started my career at McKinsey, uh, consulting banks and insurances, but not for a long time. Learned a lot, but also recognized that it's consulting is probably not my, uh, my, 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 my passion of life for the long term. Then the two founders of Zalando, um, acquired me for a top management position at Zalando, which I did for almost four years, uh, managing all non-full-price business units at Zalando. So Zalando Lounge, the retail outlets, B2B unit um, at the board. Um, did this until the IPO of Zalando. And then 10 years ago, founded my first own company, B2B trading company, bootstrapped. Um, really liked uh, Really liked going back to to an empty warehouse and starting from the scratch. Um, I, during the last 10 years, founded 15 own companies, all bootstrapped, all B2B, of course, not alone, many a times together with really cool, inspirational co-founders. And for like around four years, I'm doing B2B investments, very early stage, pre-seed and seed stage into SaaS uh, companies. So I have a portfolio of around 40 SaaS companies I'm invested in, and they also help the teams mainly in go-to-market and sales. And the common denominator there is a lot of repetitive uh, problems, uh, lack of of network. So, as you said, I decided to like build a kind of an ecosystem here in the German-speaking market, which we call Artist AR Artist, um, which in includes a conference once a year, a podcast two times a week, and we have a Slack community for SaaS founders and C levels free of charge. 600 people now where we just and foster exchange and try to, that people do not do the same mistakes which have been done before and like talk about mistakes talk about best practices and uh yeah accelerating their their business growth and what what would you say shaped you most in your career who um i think to be very honest everything yeah so every experience i had in my life had a very big learning either what i like or what i don't like so talking about mckinsey i got a lot of i think frameworks a lot of logical thinking high level business contacts yeah but own decision making was quite low yeah you're consulting and in a junior role you're like preparation uh, prepare uh, you do presentations you're preparing stuff so I learned how to deal with people, but I also learned that like just consulting is not enough for me. I like to do decisions for myself. During my Zalando times, which started super early days, high speed, uh, it was like really entrepreneurial, building stuff, new processes, internationalization, hyperscale, which I really liked, like the energy, freedom of decision, uh, responsibility also for my mistakes and my, my, my uh, decisions. And when the company became bigger, um, of course, it changed more to like a corporate management role. Yeah, like I had 450 people below me, and like the 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 role changed from super entrepreneurial to a management senior management position, where I recognized this is not like how I'd like to spend my my time with. Uh, and then the, the decision again going back to or going to my first own company. 
And this was, I think, the best decision of my life. Uh, so, but a result of the previous uh, things. And now I'm really happy and uh, satisfied what I've what I'm doing, building companies and investing. And how do you approach building a bootstrap company? Because I think it's a different model than building a VC a VC backed or private equity backed company, especially in the beginning. Completely different approach. Um, I mean, it's a lot of determines which I think you should take into consideration. First of all, is you need to ask yourself how you like to work because. Having a VC on the board uh, and deciding for a VC track means there is a third party on the table. And like, if you go down the road, there are many more third parties on the table and your share of ownership decreases round by round. Yeah. So uh, it's a very different working model than to bootstrap where capital is always rare. You really need to re rethink every of your decisions twice, but you have full ownership of what you're doing. No, no need to report to anyone. Uh, you're depending on your own decisions, but also responsible for your own decisions. So I think it's a decision for yourself. And of course, there are a couple of more dimensions. For example, not every business model can be bootstrapped. Yeah? If I need to build a deep tech product first, uh, no chance to bootstrap. Yeah? You need a certain amount of money to just build it and then monetize. So also like the decision of the business model requires sometimes venture capital or not. So... Uh, also depends like what you like to do and how, how do you approach building teams um from from scratch because i think this is what you did often now <laughs> so maybe you see some patterns <laughs> yeah, maybe we can also say, say it's an b2b SaaS environment for instance yeah um it's it's a question of difference differentiation of good and bad teams or people people team fit mm. I think there are a lot of factors signaling quality of a founder or quality of a founder team. And it's two dimensions. The first is like the single person. And then the second, second thing is like peop, combining people to a team. Yeah, uh, Because just because you have three very smart and great individual persons all being the same profile like a maniac, uh, they together and the team will not work. Yeah? So if you're composing a team, there's also different dimension. Um How to stuff teams? I think, first of all, kind of a vertical knowledge or industry knowledge or at least knowledge about a problem or pain point is super helpful. Yeah. So does the founder have or did the founder have any touch points with the problem he'd likes to solve? Yeah. So it makes a big difference than theoretically thinking about a problem solution or really having experienced this for yourself. Um, I think the second thing is being curious like you know like it's very important in sales but also very important as a founder because it influences on, on on many things like uh, contacting people selecting advisors want to get to know about best practices by reading or listening to podcasts want to understand patterns on my customer side so being curious is like an attitude which i think is super correlating super correlative with success as a as an early stage founder um of course work mentality there's no question about, about this yeah um these are like in the individual traits and there are many more but i think it's like free to name just a few here in the short period of time and then if you set together individuals to a team i think you really need to take a look from an investor's perspective or from founder's perspective or you know, like uh, someone, uh, a founding angel, like you can call it a different ways. 
is like how, what kind of different roles and characters and skills do you need to solve a problem? So if you build a SaaS product, you probably need some technical knowledge. So you need a quite good dev and, and product profile. And you probably need a very good go-to-market sales commercial profile. Yeah. So, and these two roles can be super different in terms of the people you want to put together. But so depending what you like to do, you need to really then um, put people together. And if it's a deep tech AI model, you probably need some 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 uh, yeah AI professional having very deep knowledge about ML. Yeah. Uh, so it really depends on what kind of a problem you like to solve. In case you like my show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. Would you first invest into product development um, to build a relevant set of features or stability in the technology um, perspective? Or would you rather first um, invest in the go-to-market side that you have enough demand that and also maybe enough insights at some point to build the product depending on um, the insights you generate? Because... You go out with a promise, but maybe you cannot deliver initially <laughs> because you promise something that just will be built, but is not built yet. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would start on the market side um, because otherwise you will waste a lot of resources in terms of product development, not understanding the needs and pains of the customer. And starting on the market side doesn't mean you need to sell something by contract to the guy. It starts with like understanding your ICPs, your ideal customer profiles and your buyer personas. yeah, And understanding means like you really get to know like what kind of problems do they have in general in the company, but also on a personal side. What motivates them? Uh, what happens if the pain is solved? What solutions do they right now use to solve the pain? Um, is there like how much would they pay for having this problem solved? Stuff like this. And you you will extract this information only by doing really deep interviews with like a certain number of people. And it could be potential clients, industry experts, people from your network. And this will help you to really identify pains uh, which have a high priority at your ICPs and buyer personas. And only if you understand this, from my point of view, you can build a product which then helps solving those pains. And This, of course, can be done then, for example, with like pilot partnerships. You see like, hey, we are developed, we understood your needs, we understood your pain, we are now really going into product development and would you mind like being a pilot uh, a pilot customer or a pilot partner? So we don't charge you for the first six months, but we need your feedback on a weekly basis. This helps us for the product. And this is like phase two. And then if phase two is done and you have a kind of an MVP, like a product which really solves the needs of their pilot customers, I think then it's a good time to go to the market and try to sell it for a certain price point because then you also have value to deliver against the pain for your customers. And I think also what is a bit different to a venture-based um, venture is that the whole planning cadence um, is maybe with less ambiguity and also with less more um, sp spikes if you if you bootstrap right because it's a bit more continuous. Um, but once when you raise a big amount of funding for a market entry and so on, and um, that then you suddenly need to hire or build several orgs in parallel, this can be really 
I don't know. I, I know that a lot of companies don't invest into planning at that early stage sometimes or even at all. <laughs> but I think especially if you are going venture backed, planning is key that you distribute the um, resources um, kind of correctly or efficiently because this is also what we saw now when the money and cash got a bit more expensive that suddenly yeah. everybody had to start to plan and then um, the, the goal was not to go for the next funding round um, but to also some some kind get profitable yeah so that's also a bit I think di different how do you see that? Very, very different yeah I mean if you bootstrap um And you can also bootstrap starting building a tech product with a service in parallel. Yeah, so you have a service, you're consulting companies on their pains, you're you're getting some cash in, and with the cash financing the product yeah. development. So when you bootstrap, I think the decision is always like, okay, where to spend the next one euro? Yeah, so you get a euro, and then it's like, okay, what I, what do I do with it? It's the only euro I have. Yeah, if you had do a venture case, you do a seed round, you have two million euro. And then there's a the question, okay, how do I distribute this 2 million euro? And then of, this, of course, needs planning and hypothesis. Okay, where do I want to go with this next 2 euro? Which milestone do I want to reach? Uh, what do I need to deliver to my investors and to the market to then get maybe a Series A funding of 10 million in the next round? Yeah. So there are certain milestones, let's say, easiest example, revenue, ARR. Okay, to reach this revenue, how many clients do I need to reach this to acquire these clients? How many FTE on the sales side do I need? Um, uh, how many marketing budget do I need if I know my customer acquisition costs are X? So, if you have a venture case, planning is key, yeah, and understanding your metrics quite fast and and really distributing the money the right way. Yeah, it's a very different game. And how would you choose a, a co-founder? Because you had now. I think plus 15 companies you founded <laughs> by yourself. So you would you you, you ha have a lot of co-founders, I guess. <laughs> yes, uh, in a couple of companies, I have the same co-founders because if you've chosen the right ones, it's super fun in life to do the next venture together again. But yes, um, uh, very different co-founders. And uh, I mentioned like four companies are closed down again. One also because the cap table and the co-founder um, uh, consistently didn't work out. So to be honest, it's a very opportunistic process. Uh, I don't have a venture studio approach like uh, acquiring talent by a very quantitative way. It's it's usually gut feeling and a common track record in previous projects. Yeah. So the co-founder of my first company, Ole, which I highly appreciate and value a lot, he was working in one of my teams at Zalando. So we had a lot of touch points. We get to know each. Uh, we get to know each other. We understood each other in a personal way. We also had some conflicts. So we we had a lot of situations where we experienced how it could be working together. And on the other side, we got a good understanding of like the the skills of the other person and the industry knowledge and how they work. And this, of course, helped a lot to say like, hey, we can imagine working together on adventure. So. My recommendation choosing a co-founder is definitely trying to create as many touch points, situations, and also conflicts as possible before because you only will get a good feeling of this relationship and this connection in tough situations. Yeah, If uh, the grass is green, everybody plays football quite quite good. Yeah, It becomes more complicated if, uh, if the court looks like shit. Yeah? And then it's a question, how can you, how can you play? Yes. And um, do you have also some learnings of um, maybe a good experience and a learning experience in, in choosing a co-founder? 
a bit what I mentioned, yeah. I think this one case... So maybe, which, maybe with examples or so, this would be super interesting. Maybe I didn't get the question right, Thomas. Can you elaborate a bit more what you're meaning? Yeah, if you maybe have some examples where you could say, hey, in that example, we had a very... Uh, for me, this was a very positive experience and um, the right decision. And there is maybe another example where you see, oh, yeah. it did not work out well. So it, it's maybe a learning experience. Yeah, I can. I mean, I can. I can give some an example about a about a signal. Yeah. So if you have different opinions, and at a certain case, or maybe make it even more clear, there is a situation where it's quite clear that someone is right and someone is wrong. Like just a, like a number, a quantitative case, and the person who is wrong, like how will she how how will she react when she definitely recognizes that she's wrong? Yeah. So it's a, it's a very clear case. It's quite clear person A was wrong uh, or person B was wrong. And then if someone reacts in a very self-reflected way, trying to analyze why she was wrong, uh, committing that she was wrong, yeah, uh, trying to get learnings out of it, how to do better next time, is a very good signal of person to work with. The other cases, uh, and I probably did the same, I, I did the same in my early career, is like, looking for reasons why someone else or certain market economics uh, made me do the wrong decision. So not my ownership, not my fault. Someone else is responsible. So this is like a very red light or red flag signal in a, a personal relationship. If this happens, it's it's a red flag. Yeah. So uh, because then it becomes super difficult with clients. Someone is not self-reflected. Someone is like... You know, like it's it's not a good attitude. Yes, yes, um, I totally agree. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, it can be. Um, so I think if there is a really complementary team, um, mm -hmm. also two, three, or four people, I never saw it working out. With three, I think it's also difficult. I, I think with two, it can be super um, simple from the constellation. Um, because there are so not so many interdependencies and it's also quite straightforward on how to split shares, for instance, um, especially if two companies, uh, if two people start at the same time um, and have similar scope, right? Um, then yeah. I think it, it really is a, a no-brainer sometimes. Um, but also, did you start a company by, just by yourself as well? Mm, no. Uh, why not? Um, because I, I like people, uh, I, I like spending my life with inspirational minds around me. I'd like to interact. I learn from, from other people independent if they are 10, 20 years younger than me. Um, I'm not a lone wolf. I like, uh, social interactions. So, and, and I think it's also like a correcting momentum to be very honest. Yeah. So everyone, everyone does mistakes. So, Uh, it's highly recommendable that you're not going on a journey for yourself because in certain moments, especially I'm a very risk-affine guy, yeah? so it's like I would always go for the risk. You know, like I would say, yeah, let's try it, let's do it. And especially, for example, with Ola, he he just some, sometimes slows me a bit down in a good way. It's like, hey, Julius, let's rethink this again. Do you really think we should do this? What is the What is the opportunity? What are the costs here? And then... It makes me rethinking my 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 approach and my 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 decision to to try it out and 
in many, many situations, it's a very good thing. Yeah. And then we just like skip decisions and don't do it. And the other way around, it's working the same. Like Ole maybe is a bit more the conservative guy. And maybe in some situations, like too conservative to really achieve a, an, a, an output. And in this situation, then I start argumenting with, okay, this is the opportunity. We should at least try. Um, let's take a little bit of budget, make an experiment, measure. And if we see there is traction, then we go into it. And then, you know, like this, this power play, I think, drives very good decisions and is a very correcting momentum. Yeah. It's interesting um, thought and theory. I, I agree with you on that. <laughs> and how, how did you then start building this ecosystem of artists? Um, that's, I think, also tough to achieve in the beginning. It's a lot of effort you need to put in. And maybe at some point it's then self, self-sustaining. But you also need to invest into it, I guess. So how does this work to build an ecosystem of um, communities? Yeah, um, I mean, I need to say I'm doing this also for the first time. So it's a big learning process for me. Um, so the, the journey the journey started with I, I'm helping my portfolio companies and what I'm doing in my own companies is go-to-market and sales. And my initial idea was to build a fresh sales conference because tech sales is way different than sales for Volkswagen, stuff like this. And so this was the initial idea and talked to a couple of people about the idea, like I said before, doing interviews and hey, is there a pain, blah, blah, blah. And then there was the feedback, was like, yeah, sales is a topic, but we also have a problem with fundraising. And we also would like to exchange about marketing and about product. So we said, okay, instead of doing a sales, building a sales conference, and this was the first idea, uh, for like all levels of sales, we just say, okay, we are building a SaaS conference with all functions, but only with a very boutique approach just for high level decision makers, founders and C-level. And they say, okay, how to build a, like how to bring these people together in the best way is like, okay, a digital format. And it's like, hmm, digital format difficult for exchange and a Zoom meeting with people. So there was a decision to do a physical meetup. And I was like, okay, the physical meetup, probably we should build a small conference and say, okay, let's, let's having the idea and then I was like, okay I'm not the guy who's building a conference for myself for 500 people not the expert like not, not the knowledge by coincidence my current two co-founders which are long-term friends uh, and I was at the first angel in their business in their last company they were running a Tough Mudder clone called Exletics. so they did events for 15,000 people 20 times a year uh, like on the biggest scale so they knew event were open for something new I knew SaaS no idea about event. We we just met together. I pitched the idea. They said like, okay, let's do this on a on a half day basis, a half week basis. And then we had like a good team for for the pain and for the solution. The solution was a conference, and then we just did outreach. Yeah. So I, I just said, okay, what's the go to market? The go to market is probably to have an interesting conference and a summit. We need a good program and a good approach in terms of people can connect. If we have a good program. And good speakers, people will buy tickets to come. And if we have people and speakers, then sponsors will probably also join because then there is an interesting target group for partners. And this is what we did. I just like did outreach to 50, 60 people. Said, okay, this is the idea. Um, we're looking for interesting speakers for the first year. And 10 people from 10 people I called, nine said, it's a brilliant idea. I'd like to contribute. I'd like to join. So we built the program. We sold the first tickets, we acquired the first sponsors. That's okay. 
how how else besides a small conference can we contribute to the ecosystem and and foster exchange between people? So, okay, let's do a podcast uh, because we can all all year long can take the knowledge of founders and investors, making it accessible in a in a, in a podcast and push it to the whole ecosystem for free. So we did the podcast, which worked out pretty well. And said, okay, what else can we do? Was like, let's 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 build a format where people can exchange during the whole year in terms of a Slack community. So we built a Slack community, 700 SaaS founders now inside, no investors, no partners, where they exchange about their problems all year around. So and so this is like how I approach it now. Like what other elements can help making the ecosystem of SaaS in Germany and German-speaking markets better step-by-step. Step. And we're now building more and more modules on empowering the ecosystem here. Long monologue. I hope that was clear. Um, yes, very clear. And I think a very entrepreneurial um, approach on how you should validate ideas. But I think the validation itself does not do the work, right? <laughs> you also need to put in the work and get to the next step all the time and then come with new findings, with new ideas and see how, it, how it's perceived and um, make something out of it. Because I think also what is super important that you sold tickets um, and that you also actually made money from it. Yeah, because ultimately at some point there needs to be a, a flow of cash. In case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me, please send me an email on thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. And in case you really enjoy the show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. I mean, building a conference for last year was 400 people, full day, location, food, drinks, all included, just costs like... A, a, Cost like a six-digit number of money, yeah. So, and if you don't want to pay this for yourself, it needs to be financed, yeah. So, uh, you need to sell ticket and some sponsor packs just to make a break-even event uh, for this like kind of small number of people. And yeah, I mean, like last year, acquiring founders, I, I would say I definitely did 200, 250, 30 minutes calls with SaaS founders to pitch the idea and tell them about our vision of building an ecosystem and getting them to the to the to the to the first summit i mean it was an idea on paper uh, you're selling a product which haven't been there so I, I, I minimum did 250 calls last years uh with with founders yeah you i can see the entrepreneurial spirit <laughs> absolutely i mean it's like uh as i said yeah it's like ideation then doing interviews validation of the idea and then like of course, like building copy and the go-to-market strategy to push the idea. And as you say, and at this case, it's like first acquiring participants in terms of tickets and then acquiring partners in terms of sponsoring. Huh? So uh, it's a super entrepreneurial, I mean, it's a super clear go-to-market case, which just needs a lot of effort to do it. Huh? It will not happen for itself. And what's the goal for the next um, years with Archie? I mean, as said, I'm a very opportunistic guy. Yeah? Like I do stuff as long as I have fun with it. Um, I think the, the beauty of artists is really like bringing super smart minds together. Yeah, Like entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, C-level executives, investors. And I think, or to my mind, this is like the biggest value of this ecosystem and platform, talking to interesting, smart people and learning every day. So um to make, I mean, there are a couple of things to make it bigger. It would be like opening the platform for not 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 ex, ex, non-executives, you know, like AAEs, SDRs. I think it's not a good idea because then the quality of the product, the, the conference will go down. 
Um, I think there are a couple of cool more ideas how to how to uh, empower the ecosystem in more exchange. So we'll probably do a couple of more events all year around. Um, we are thinking about some formats for other targets groups. So next year in April, we, are la we have launched the Artist Circus, which is a festival for sales teams and success teams, uh, customer success teams. Uh, very, very colorful, very uh, enabling. I think, let's see if this works, but... Uh, Very cool indications of product market fit. So if you are sales, if you are in sales or customer success, take a look at artistcircus.com. And yeah, but where will this go? I mean, an idea could be to build a fund on top of the ecosystem. Yeah, because you have access to early stage startups and capital on the other side. The idea could be taking the learnings, building an own a unicorn SaaS company uh, with all the knowledge and learnings and, and contacts. With good access to investors and good access to to other founders, the idea could be handing this the conference over to a team and like doing something completely new, uh, yeah, like non-artist stuff. So, ask me next year. Ask me in second years. I, I will have different views on this. Right now, I'm really enjoying the the process and the journey of doing it without a five years vision. To be honest, Thomas, yeah. Cool. Julius, um, what is a guest that you know I don't know what I should interview next? A guest you should interview next? What do you want to what do you want to learn? So I think when we dive a bit more into the topic of um SaaS and how to build certain maybe um orcs teams structures in a certain way, that's interesting, I guess. I think I would recommend Robin Sudermann, uh founder and CEO of Talents Connect. Oh. They have a super interesting org structure. They work in squ squats in their org. Uh, super, super interesting thing. I can recommend an episode I did with him at Artist on Air exactly about this topic. Uh, so if you want to jump in and listen, it's uh, very innovative thinking in terms of how to structure an organization. And it's also like a very cool guy, uh, super empathic, um, super smart. So definitely, uh, definitely a good guest for, for your show, Thomas. I will. I think I'm already in touch with him on two conferences. I met him, so we we planned this already. So that's a good hint again. So I will do so. <laughs> Absolutely. Send 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 my wishes, please. Yeah. I will. I will. Um, thanks, Julius, for the for your time and the great insights. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for the invite and uh, all the best going forward with with your podcast uh, and your business, of course, Thomas. Yeah, building a an agency, a service model, and a SaaS companies uh, and investing. I see some parallels. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.